0: Uh, Hey, this series, let's jump right in, uh, is is kind of fun. We have the opportunity to be inspired by the lives of some faithful followers of Jesus who allowed God to use them in ultimately significant ways by the power of the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit directed them, and uh, they were waiting tables, in fact, That waiting tables was ultimately the thing, this simple responsibility the church did not want to neglect. Uh, It was reality that some of the people were not being fed or maybe... Even it was, they were not given rations for their feeding, widows and those in need. And so the disciples found these men who would take up a responsibility, a mundane responsibility that actually over the course of Acts 6, Acts 7, and Acts 8 results in the marvelous. These people end up having this marvelous experience of faith. And uh, we want to take you on this journey for the next few weeks. I'm really excited about it, especially Stephen and Philip that we'll get into in the next three weeks, uh, because I believe it's a picture of what God wants to do in the church today. Uh, those who are growing in a relationship with Jesus in such a way that we would be ready to take on more significant service for the cause of the gospel, Um uh, This is truly a picture of what God envisions, and and I'll just jump into it, and you'll catch it real quick. Acts 6 verse 1 says, In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the 12 gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. Verse five says, this proposal pleased the whole group. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. Also, Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Pumbaa, and Nicholas from Antioch. Don't you love Bible names? He was a converted Convert to Judaism. Okay, verse 6. We'll move on past the names. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. That's kind of a funny phrase we're not even going to hit on today. Priests became obedient to the faith. Well, wait a second. But they were priests. Yeah, I'm not touching that. Okay, moving on. No. God wants each of us to be willing and ready to wait on tables. It took men like these seven to allow the word of God to spread. The church would have stalled out with just the disciples doing all the ministry, but God gives us this this mode, this model for ministry empowerment that guides us still today in the church. We experience it. We uh, we do the same here at Open Life. It truly matters to everyone in the community that we all do our share ultimately. Because if we only preach the word and we don't serve people, how are they going to experience the love of Jesus? If we if all we do is open up the scriptures every Sunday. Just Sunday, we're going to miss out on some opportunities to share the love of Jesus in our city. And so that's what's being communicated here as well. It's the acts of service that most clearly demonstrate the heart of God for all people. When we get outside the walls of the church and we love people where they're at, and we serve the needs that they're currently experiencing, that's when they understand that God is faithful, that he's there for them, and they open up their hearts. Their hearts are softened and they begin to be accepting to this message of love from God. Our big idea today is God is looking for those proven and willing to wait tables. How did we get here? Um, Acts 6. Rewind. Jesus, right before the resurrection, said to his disciples, Go and make disciples, go make more disciples. He told them he wanted them to, to uh, baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He said that they, need, they needed to teach people to obey everything he had taught them. And so these followers of Jesus were, were ready for that, right? Uh, so Jesus experiences the cross for us. He experiences death. They put him in a grave he raises three days later. And then he begins to be seen by different hundreds, ultimately, but different people. And he's giving them instruction. He's he's still having teaching. And his final teaching he gives his disciples amongst a bunch of witnesses before he ascends into heaven. He challenges them to to wait and pray. And he challenges them to, to wait and pray because they need strength. They need power so that they can be witnesses to all people across the street. And around the world. And so we see in Acts 2, these disciples did that. They waited and they prayed and they said, God, uh, Jesus said before he ascended into heaven that that you would give us the power and the boldness to go and be witnesses. And they wait there and they experience... This moment with the Holy Spirit that was beautiful, uh, it's called Pentecost. This moment happens, they're filled with the Spirit. And all of a sudden, those who had backed down on their witness are standing up boldly. Those that are walking on the streets find opportunity to, to, to heal and do miraculous signs and wonders. And, and everybody's like, what in the world? This is real. This resurrection must have been genuine. And this ministry starts to take place, and people start to be saved daily, it says in Acts 2, 47, ultimately. There was this sensitivity to the spirit that was being modeled by the believers now. They weren't just in person getting instruction from Jesus and going and walking out and doing it. Now they were like sensing what to do in situations where maybe somebody's begging at the side of the street, and they would kind of go, You know what, we don't have money, but you can walk. And they would raise them up. And people were just like, what is happening? They were led by the Spirit all of a sudden. And they were working their way. People would say things like, these people have been with Jesus. We can't deny what they've done. But they're not schooled or educated people. They were baffling the community. The disciples Value and want to continue serving within the church during all this growth and all this explosion, people being saved, thousands of people making a decision to follow Jesus. And they're in this moment where they're like, okay, these people all need what Jesus commanded us to teach them to obey everything that He taught us. But they also need their needs met. So, how do we do both of these? What's the What's the plan? And it felt good amongst all of them to say, wait, there's a bunch of other people, not just the apostles or those that were initially with Jesus. There's people who've made a decision to follow Jesus that have been led by the Spirit and and have wisdom as well. Who are those? And they select seven from amongst them. And we know when the Bible says men, in this instance it's actually men, but even in creation's story, bring it to modern day, When you hear men, you know it can be women and men that can lead. Anybody agree with that? Right. Yes, we do here at Open Life. It doesn't just have to be men. Just wanted to get that out there. That's for free. Um, What they were saying here, though, is interesting. Both waiting tables and preaching the word were of equal importance. It was just as important to feed someone who was hungry as it was to open up the scriptures and command someone to obey. It wasn't like, well, we're the disciples and we only pray and preach the word. In fact, we don't hang out with the commoners. We're going to be in the back where nobody can touch us. It wasn't that. That's not what's being promoted or projected here this is no i love these people so much that i don't want them to go hungry and it doesn't matter what background they're from if their widows are being ignored that's wrong and it's on us And we need to fix it who should we empower right and so this man we wanted to serve people that god has a heart for and neglect no one that's the heart behind this moment right Ephesians 4 kind of unpacks it. Uh, uh, Paul gets uh, later on kind of teaches on this thing. And he says this in Ephesians 4.11. He says, these are the gifts Christ gave the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son That we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Jump forward to verse 16. He says, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. That's what was happening here. Right, if Paul kind of had the opportunity to look back on this moment and go, oh, that, let me teach you what happened there, right? So he's piecing this together. If you're here today and you do not yet have a relationship with Jesus, you've never said, okay, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and Savior. I choose to follow you. I want to grow in a relationship with you. I hope you're catching already in just this first part how much God cares for your needs. I mean, that's what I'm seeing here. He loves each of us so much that he would like raise people up to care for your most practical needs. That's pretty unbelievable. And that's what the church is here for in a community is to serve. So... They elect and select these seven men from among the followers of Jesus who were known to be full of the Spirit, full of wisdom. And these men would do the work of waiting tables, the mundane that would turn into the marvelous. And yet it builds all the way up to Acts 8, which we'll hit on in a few weeks. So today we explore the qualities that they address here. So I want us to think about these qualities. And the first quality it says is that they're known. These these men, they said, well, select seven men who are known before those qualities come up. The most important thing is that they were among us and that they were known. Um, Some translations would say they're men of good reputation. Proverbs 3, 3 through 4 hits on this. The wisdom passages says, never let loyalty and and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. Then you'll find favor with both God and people, and you'll earn a good reputation. Good reputation. In fact, 1 Timothy 3.7 says, of a quality of someone who's a leader in a church, they should be people, uh, also people outside the church, must speak well of him so that he will not be disgraced and fall into the devil's trap. Wow. Okay, so these were men that were among you. They were among the church already. They were among those who were following Jesus. These disciples were looking for somebody who had already been serving in ministry. They were all ready to be empowered because they're proving themselves faithful. Their surrendered heart and their love for others was already evident. They had already inconvenienced their life for those who had come to find and follow Jesus. Their priorities were realigned to the gospel. They'd not only been doing ministry, but they had embodied it in such a way that it was like visible, right? They were known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. They were known to be of good reputation outside the church so that all they were doing for Jesus would not be disqualified or that they wouldn't stumble themselves into a place of judgment. Man, I look at that and I go, so they were, they were doing life for Jesus uh, in, in their community, in their home, in their work, in their social media, <clears throat> Anyway, uh, you know, of good reputation. You know, you can, you can disagree with people and be kind, just free. I'm just going to throw that out there. That is totally free. But you look at this reputation. What are we, we're so living in glass houses today in the world of social media What do we do? Are we still of good reputation? Are we conscious that we're supposed to demonstrate kindness everywhere? Okay, thought two. We're supposed to be full of the Spirit. Full of the Spirit. Galatians 5.25 says, Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's lead in every part of our lives. Following the Spirit's lead. What is that? What is that, right? If we're gonna love people within the communities we live, like we, we need that intuition, as one of my daughters would call it, that vibe, right? Uh, that vi- we play card games and she's like, I'm getting a vibe. I was like, it's luck. Right? Anyway, so it's Catan. You're not going to get a vibe and get a development card that builds roads. Anyway, uh, you know, it's this moment where we're in community and we sense in our spirit that the spirit of God is moving us towards action. Right? Being full of the spirit. It's those open life moments. Okay, I'm gonna inconvenience my schedule because I'm sensing I'm to open my life to a moment here. And that this is gonna impact someone's eternity potentially. And I'm gonna help them not live in an overwhelmed place. I'm going to come alongside their journey, their life story in a a moment because of the Holy Spirit. Followers of Jesus that were of good reputation also needed to have demonstrated the ability to be sensitive to the Spirit as they went through their days. Like, this should be clearly evident in every area of their lives. Again, not just on Sunday. Oh, yeah, on Sunday. Very sensitive to the Spirit. Well, what about Monday? What about at bedtime when the kids are cranky? What about, uh, you know, when things are stressful? It should look like somebody saying, I was going into school and saw someone who needed encouragement, so I I stopped and asked how I could help. Right, students? It's noticing somebody in need and allowing yourself to be, oh, I think they, they need something. I was going into the store, and I saw an overwhelmed mom and said, it'll get better. I've been told, it lasts until they're 18. I'm like, no, don't pile more on. I'm already overwhelmed. They'll never leave the house. I love it. Are you tired? I still am. You're like, don't say this to me. I was in Starbucks. Actually, this is a true one. I, I never even talked to Jaden about this, but we were sitting at Starbucks in a meeting this week. There was a couple having a pretty solid fight. I don't know if he noticed it. I did because I, I was facing them, and you know, every once in a while, it got heated enough that he would like hit the table. And I'm thinking these guys need reengage. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> it was bad. I was like, how do I pitch this? But then it got so I was a little on edge because the volume and just the tension that I I made sure when I had a moment to kind of give a look like, are you okay, to the gal? Like, is this this something worse than just an argument? You okay, you know? Uh, And everything is okay, but you're like, that awareness of what could we do? Stories of just being sensitive. It's not being opportunistic as much as it's, Okay, I'm sensing something is needed here. That's the Holy Spirit kind of moving your heart, and being able to allow yourself to to respond to that. Scripture doesn't teach compartmentalization. Like, okay, well, okay, I'm gonna my spiritual self is kind of Sundays. I'm gonna grow that part of me on Sundays, but then I'm professional during the week. I'm not you know this is my professional time and then oh i'm a relaxer on saturday you know it, no it's it's like we're supposed to be constant we're followers of jesus morning noon and night we're supposed to always look for opportunities to give god glory we're to be genuine in life 24/7 Maybe I should say we're to, to, we're, we should be demonstrating the life of one who's been impacted by the death and rex- resurrection of Jesus always. We should be consistent. And the Spirit of God allows us to do that. Jesus was great at making up illustrations that kind of helped us discover this as well. Um, he would teach his disciples and parables. And within the Sermon on the Mount, he shares this insight About fruitfulness that kind of helps in this illustration or this this thought today. Matthew 7 17, he says, A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. Have you ever watched people's Twitter feeds and you're just like, thanks, Captain Obvious? You know, but they're like followed by millions, and you're just going, I see why you motivate people. You are very practical. You know, that's pretty, this is the son of God, right? A uh, good tree produces good fruit, No, a bad tree produces bad fruit. You know, uh, but he goes on. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down, thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, So you can identify people by their actions. Okay, okay, a little zinger there at the end, Jesus. I'm getting this. I'm getting where you're going with this one. You can identify someone who follows the Spirit by their actions. Not by their thoughts. Not by their understanding of a situation. But by their their taking action and capturing the moments that God opens to them. Galatians 5:22 says it this way, by the Holy Spirit but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There is no law against these. Those are fruits of the Spirit that should be demonstrated through actions in our lives. Anyone can wait on tables. But the disciples didn't just want to have people accept a role of waiting on tables. They wanted people to own this area of waiting on tables. So that they could focus on preaching and prayer. Teaching the word. They wanted to release it to them so that it wasn't a, yeah, I'll do it this week. Maybe if I feel okay, if, I'm not, if I don't have the sniffles, you know. It was no. It was like, I got this. I'll make sure it's covered. Widows will not be neglected any longer. They chose seven, some would presume, so that one of them would take each day of the week. Kind of makes sense. It was important that these were not just, yeah, I'll fill in, but that they were going to be there Week after week after week on their given day. They needed to demonstrate faithfulness. But that's not all. They needed to demonstrate the wisdom of how to operate. So thought three, full of wisdom. Known, full of the Spirit, full of wisdom. When I was at the University of Washington, doing the college gig there, I did not yet know Jesus. I was kind of in a moment of my life where... I thought those who knew Jesus were just weak and brainless and kind of I was very judgmental obviously uh, towards them because I was just like they have no better option in life they're so desperate they had to choose Christianity and I was not kind to Christians most often and then through courses of God's actions in my life, I found a moment where I was like, holy buckets, I was wrong, right? I was so wrong about this and made a decision to follow Jesus and started reading the scriptures and realized the exact opposite was true of the Christians. In fact, when we make a decision to follow Jesus, we open our mind up to this wisdom of God that he can pour into us, and we actually become more wise. So I was double wrong. I was judgmental on the Christians, thinking that they weren't wise, but they were actually more wise than the wisdom of this world. And I just kind of look at this and go, wow, these seven demonstrated wisdom. What a witness that is to the community around us. When we put on the big give, which is a food Distribution. With the leadership and wisdom God has given us as a church to be able to rally tons of organizations in the community around the need people have for food at Thanksgiving. And hundreds of volunteers show up and serve, and and it's coordinated, and it's orderly, and, and everybody's like, wow, this is the most organized event I've ever volunteered at. This was so fun. What are they experiencing? Wisdom a God-given wisdom that wasn't there before Christ. And a bunch of minds come together and put wisdom into action. That's what they were looking for. They wanted able people, right? Able people should sing on the worship team, right? Maybe you notice they're able people today singing. Um, If... We just said, anybody want to be on worship? And some people raised their hand, and we put them on mic, and they're not able. You would real quick turn into Simon, be looking for a red X buzzer. <laughs> you know, it would be an awkward moment on a Sunday to, to X the worship team. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a little awkward? Uh, so they're able to sing, right? I mean, this is just, they have the wisdom to know how to sing. Um, people who ser- serve kids should be able to love the young people of the church, and not just see it as a burden during uh, the adult church time, but actually see those kids as being able to be empowered and go back into their schools and their families and make an incredible difference. It's not babysitting. It's ministry. It's discipleship. They're able people. They're able people that should be able to uh, run the check-in. They got to know how to run a computer and and be able to have conversations with people. That's they got to be able to do that. When the church grows and people take tasks, it's like able people stepping in and serving. We need able people to lead big give in each city that we currently have and that we will have. We need able people to be directing reengage and leading marriages into a deeper place of oneness. And we have that, and we've empowered people who who have that sensitivity, and they've been trained, and they have the wisdom to lead. The church is awesome. Colossians one nine says this: We have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of His will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Jump to verse twenty eight. It says, "We tell others about Christ, warning." every or it says so we tell others about christ warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom god has given us it's from god we can't claim we just immediately got wise and that it's our knowledge no it's his wisdom given to us we want to be present or we want to present them to god perfect in their relationship to christ That's why I work and struggle so hard depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. The disciples know this is God. He's the source of wisdom. We're just now in a place of receiving it and serving with that power of wisdom in and through us. All the people that loved Jesus... And that's why we exist in this community, is to have a bunch of people who can fall in love with Jesus and go out from here in wisdom. And take those moments God allows our eyes to see. And we can serve people with all wisdom in order that they would have open hearts towards the gospel someday. We need wise people. Not only out there, but in here. Ephesians 1.17 says, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. Paul was praying for the church. Man, I'm asking God for spiritual wisdom, and I'm praying that over us in this room. It's one thing to have wisdom towards spiritual things, but the desire here was as well that they would have wisdom for the actual operation of what the the ministry of feeding the widows needed. The Spirit would give them more wisdom, but they needed at least a place of, of proof to come in. They needed to be proven so that the widows would be faithfully served. They weren't gonna micromanage it, they were gonna hand them this area of ministry. The action point today is pretty simple when you consider the text. Where did these seven come from? Well, they were serving. We need to begin to serve faithfully. And many of you in this room serve faithfully. God is wanting to empower people who are already serving. They're known. It's evident that the Spirit's at work through them. It's evident that they have the wisdom. They looked at those faithfully serving and they presented them for prayer it says there in the end it says that they came and and laid hands on them and prayed for them and commissioned them into the role of feeding people it's interesting when you think of that because many times maybe in the church we would have a moment like that for pastors coming on staff or you know different things but no they like they were gonna pray over the volunteer And it's crazy, as we're going to discover in the next couple weeks, what happens is way more than feeding people. All of a sudden, this marvelous ministry erupts through these people's lives that I can't wait to unpack in in the coming weeks. But today, I want to do what they did. I want to pray for you. I, I want you to stand today and I want to simply pray over you that God would raise you up to be those that are faithful, known, are so incredibly full of the spirit sensitivity this week and forevermore ultimately, but I'm, I'm thinking this week practically, that you would sense God's direction more than you've ever sensed it in your entire life. And that you would even sense, oh my, I have a little more wisdom here in this moment than I've ever had in dealing with this scenario I'm in. And I wanna pray that God would even call us up to something greater than what we're currently experiencing. That God would raise us up to to do something that we've not even processed yet and give those an authority around us the courage to, uh, to ask and say, Man, I'm seeing, I see this in you, and I would love to commission you into doing this. Let's pray. God, I, I thank you for everybody that's here. You're just stirring my heart for everybody in this room right now. And I pray that we would just say yes to you in every corner that we find you of our lives, that we would be those today here that are sensitive to you and maybe someone here today is in a place where man I've yet to choose to follow Jesus and I want to I, I, to know God loves me enough to call people out to serve even the most practical needs of my life is enough for me to say here I am Lord I, I, I want to invite you into my life so if somebody is here and they've yet to choose to follow you this is the moment <laughs> that they would just say Jesus be my Lord and Savior I choose to follow you. I want to grow in relationship with you. God, for the rest of us and for all of us in this room, would you stir in our spirits the understanding of when you're wanting us to take advantage of a moment that God might seem mundane to some, but we know it's the door to the marvelous. And that, God, we would be open to moments during the course of our week, allowing your Spirit to stir us into action. That, God, we would have evidence on us that we're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, that we're full of the Spirit. And that, God, it would be evident through us that we have divine wisdom. That the Spirit of God is increasing our knowledge and wisdom on a degree in which we couldn't do on our own. And God, I pray that you would challenge us to rise up in areas of involvement for your furthering of your gospel in this community, the work of the church in this community. God, stir in us what it is that you're going to have us take hold of. Give us eyes that would see and ears that would hear. We thank you for your word that challenges us today to be known, to be full of the Spirit and full of wisdom, Jesus' name, amen. Will you worship with us as we just let that stir? I want you to contemplate, man, what is it that God's doing in me? And I'll come back and close us out in just a moment.